Hey, Open Arms, good morning. What a week it has been, especially for parents, the changing from summer to autumn. Also, all the kids going back to school. Our son, Isaac, started school this week in junior inference. Here's a picture of the four of them. And uh, we're just waiting now for number four to go to school. And then finally, we'll be able to get a few quiet hours. But I didn't realize, I'm sure... Every parent goes through this, no matter what age they are, no matter if they're going into the next class or secondary school or even into college, but but we all can get super emotional. We were there getting ready with all the rest of the parents, bringing them into the class, stepping back. He didn't even look back. He just went straight in. And me and Jill are looking at each other and other parents are looking at each other, staring through the window. And almost you can see the tears begin to flow. And we're like, why are we so sad and emotional? So I'm sure for some of you, You've gone through that as well. And I just, I really want to encourage you, just been thinking about our parents and especially those with, with young children or, or just busy teenage household. And one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever received for parents is this. The days are long, but the years are short. We've only got a limited time with them. And I know that in the mundane and in the craziness, sometimes we're wishing for the moment to pass by and just get to the end of the day. But I just really want to encourage you to savor the moment, to pray to God, to give you patience and perseverance. And you would use the time that you have with your children in these years to instill in them what God has for them and growing up as men and women of Jesus Christ. Well, today... I want to uh, preach to you and speak to you on Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Don't you love a sermon on Revelation? I hope that gets your juices flowing today and gets you kind of, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be something different. Well, it is going to be something different. Revelation, the book of Revelation, is a, a prophecy given to the disciple John in his old age. Many theologians believe he was somewhere around the the age of 80. He was known as Jesus' beloved one. Ironically, John gave himself that title. And he's on the island, the Greek island of Patmos. Great place to spend time with God. And he's in prayer. and, And through a vision, he receives the revelation, the prophecy for the world, for what is and is to come. And he begins to write it down. And we see in the very first three chapters, God gives John the, the commission to write seven letters to the seven churches in Asia province. And one of these letters, in fact, it's the seventh letter, it's the final letter that we're going to focus on today, is the church in Laodicea. Laodicea, not many of us know it today, now it's in ruins, but Laodicea was in between Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians, and Colossae, where we get the book of Colossians. And Laodicea, at this time, it was known for its industry and its wealth. It was a great trade center in an Asia Minor province, now known as as modern Turkey. And at this time, the people of Laodicea were more concerned with status and style over substance, not too unlike the culture that we live in today. And so John is writing these words. He receives the words of Jesus through the vision of the Holy Spirit given to him. And he's writing these words. But what's really important for us today as we hear these words, the 3rd of September, 2023, is that the words were written to those in the church, not those in the world. It can be so easy at times to point at the problems of the world 
rather than pointing the problems to ourselves and what's in our heart. But like the people in the church of Laodicea, they had a, they had a high opinion of themselves. They, they judged themselves by the surface rather than looking beyond the soil. And Jesus here is reminding them, as he spoke about in Matthew 7, that your house may be built on sand, but the storm will come and reveal the foundation that Jesus always sees beyond the soil. Jesus always sees our hearts, and he calls the church in Laodicea to a place of change and repentance. Verse 14 begins, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, what you do, what you think. I know everything, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, I, I, I encourage you, I'm pleading with you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve or ointment to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest, be diligent, be zealous. Be passionate and repent. Here I am, Jesus says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious. One translation says, who is a conqueror. Who conquers that in which they face. Who conquers themselves and that which holds us back. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious. He conquered sin, death, shame, guilt upon the cross and sat down with my Father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to speak to you on the title, On Fire for God. On fire for God. I believe that Jesus is speaking to the church today. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. That he's calling us to be on fire for God. To have a fiery passion for God. And the things of God. And the spirit of God. That we are passionate for what he wants to do in us and through us. And this sermon that has been really simmering in me for, for recent months. For quite a long time. Originated from a personal conviction. In recent months, the, the Spirit has reminded me of the responsibility that I hold. The responsibility that I hold for the church that I lead and the life that I live. Like most people, not only are I responsible for those two things, but I'm also responsible for the spiritual well-being of my wife and my children and my home and my surroundings. And I've been convicted because the Spirit has been reminded me that I have to passionately pursue Jesus in private. To be on fire for God. And it's in that private place that will permeate the rest of our life. It's in that private place and being on fire for God that will spill out into my life and onto those around me. The alternative is to live life lukewarm. 
stale, stagnant, not bringing about life change or making an impact or making a difference with my life or the lives around me, when we can all, all, every one of us slip into a state of lukewarm spiritually. We can slip out into a state of apathy. We can very easily, all of us in this season, go, I'm starting off this season new. I'm going to be on fire for God. I'm going to be passionate for Him. And slowly, through trials, through the everyday, through the middle of November, when it gets dark at 2 o'clock in the day, and slowly that fire begins to dissipate. We can even be within reach of the fire, but not warmed by the fire. I found as a pastor in particularly, just like everyone else, that I can get so caught up and busy moving through the motions that I almost measure my spiritual success through what I'm doing and what I'm achieving. And it's only when I pause and I stop to look around me and say, oh, uh, my Bible is absent in my life. My prayer life is... It's not being too active. I can't really remember the last time I spent time with God in prayer. Maybe coming to the realization I've become ungrateful. I've been like thinking about all the things I don't have rather than what I, what I do have. I've been thinking about everything that's coming up that's, that's going to be actually to being in the here and now. Maybe for some of you, you've got to a place, and to be quite honest, maybe you've got to a place where you are inconsistent in church. Where it becomes something that you add on to rather than something that's the beginning of your week. Maybe you've become irritable with people. You've lost your compassion. You've lost your mercy. Maybe your generosity is dead. Maybe your joy is based on your feelings rather than the faithfulness of God. We can all become numb. We're all in the same boat. We can all become flat. We can all become spiritually lukewarm and distracted by our own worldly journey and our selfish pursuit. And over the past 20 years in particular, in my, my life, my leadership, and my journey with Jesus, it has been my sin, my fear, my shame, the traumatic experiences that I've walked through and gone through that at times have thrown cold water on the fire. And I've had to learn to find the fire and fan the flame. Now my passion is not one that goes high and low with the life that I'm having. It's a passion that's permanent. It's a passion that's fed. It's a passion that I'm continuously walking out and going after Jesus and opening the door and welcoming him in. If you were to be honest with yourself today, how would you describe your spirit, your faith, your passion, your, your heart? Is it, is it cold? Is it hot? Is it lukewarm? If it's cold, turn and repent. This is the day that the Lord has made. Now rejoice and be glad in Him. Find your identity in in Him. If it's hot, great. Find the flame. Keep burning for Him. Do whatever you need to feed that fire. But if you are lukewarm, here's what I want to say to you today. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Wake up from your slumber because you do not want to be spit out of his mouth. Fear the Lord. And this letter is written as a conviction from the Holy Spirit to remind the leaders and the church of Laodicea of the responsibility of the spiritual well-being that they have for themselves, for their church, and for the people within their care. Verse 14 says, The angel of the Lord 
the, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Who is this? This is the words of Jesus. This is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was, who is, and whoever will be. And Jesus here reveals to us in the scripture, and it reveals to us in his word and through his spirit the condition of our heart through our thoughts, behaviors, actions, and words. Verse 15 says, I know your deeds. I know you inside and out. I know the intricate details of your innermost being. I know the things you do. I know the things you don't do. You think, you say, believe. I see it all. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, the condition of your spirit, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The message translation says, you are stale and stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Whoa. That's harsh. Jesus is saying, when I see your lukewarm state, it makes me want to vomit. What's really interesting is why is Jesus using this illustration, this analogy of, of water, of, of hot cold and lukewarm. And when you look at the city of Laodicea, now it's an ancient city, it's in ruins, but at the time it was situated between Heropolis, as it was known, and now many known as Pamukkale, which is famous for the hot springs. I've been there, we go there in Turkey, you can sit in the hot springs, it's still there today. It's between Heropolis and Pamukkale, which all the hot springs, and the other side is Colossae, which receives the cold, refreshing mountain stream that comes from the mountains. And Laodicea is right in the middle. And Laodicea was famous because it had a lukewarm, tepid water that flowed for miles underneath this underground aqueduct that they had constructed. They had no water between Colossae and Heropolis, so they had to create their own aqueduct that would give them this lukewarm water. And what was interesting for visitors who would come to the city of Laodicea who weren't used to the water, do you know what they did when they tasted the water? They spat it out of their mouth. Amazing. When you read into the details of the scripture, you see that Jesus was so detailed in his analogy that when he said these words, they knew exactly what he was saying. They knew exactly what he was speaking. That how insightful Jesus is when he convicts his people and his church. He, he's like a surgeon who gets right in to see, see this part, this sensitive part, that needs to be gone. That needs to change. That needs to be gone. And here Jesus is saying that the church of Laodicea was neither cold like the water coming from Colossia. They were neither openly rejecting Jesus Christ, neither is it hot like the hot springs of Heropolis and Pamukkale, which is on fire for God, which is passionate for Him. But instead, its people were lukewarm, hypocrites. I can't say that word, but it's okay. Hypocrites. There we go. Lukewarm hypocrites professing to know Christ but not truly belonging to him. They were indifferent towards Jesus. They were inconsistent in their faith and therefore they were inactive. They were ineffective in carrying out the mission in which Jesus Christ had given them as Christians and as the church. And here's the truth. God can't use apathetic, self-sufficient, nominal Christians. Can't use us. And if you find yourself at this place today, you need 
Jesus. You need the church. You need community. You need believers around you, standing around you, expressing and sharing with you the faith of God to call you out when you need to be called out, to believe that, hey, you're lukewarm. Come on, it's time to get close to the fire. It's time to cut those things out of your life because you need to be built up in your faith to be a beacon of hope and light in the darkness. He continues, verse 17. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I have everything I want. I need nothing from anyone. But you do not realize that you are spiritually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Verse 18 refers to the three core industries of Laodicea that, that was at the center of their wealth and their well-being. Three core industries. The first is the banking and finance industry. The second was their wool and textile industry. And the third was a prominent medical school. And guess what they produced? Yes, ointment, salve for the eyes that went right throughout the nations of the world. They took pride in their industries. Just as we can take pride on what we rely on, that which provides for us wealth and therefore comfort and security and identity. And the point of this is not to say that any of these things are bad. No, of course they are not. But what Jesus wants us to see is that when we find our hope and our identity in these things rather than Him, it is as if we are lukewarm and are in danger of being spat out. And he tells this church three things tied to the three core industries. The first one is this, become purified and refined in the fire. Verse 18 says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Some of you have allowed yourself to be defined and find your identity in what you do, in what you have, and in how much you have or what you're worth. Your worth and your value does not come from what you do, nor does it come from what you have, nor does it come from how much you have, but it only comes from Christ and Christ alone. Our freedom, our life, and our salvation has been purchased for us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have been purified in the blood of Jesus as gold is refined in the fire. And Jesus, this is what Jesus wants us to invest in, to purchase, to buy into, to, to, to experience through Him. That yes, we may become prosperous through physical materials, but He's calling us to be prosperous through spiritual, the spiritual things of God. Some falsely believe today that Having lots of money and possessions is a sign of God's spiritual blessing. The church in Laodicea thought that their wealth was a product of their faithfulness, but instead it deceived them and caused their faith to deteriorate and drift away from the fire. It lulled them into a false sense of security. Self-sufficiency is fatal because it can cause us to fall into a lukewarm state. We are to find our sufficiency in Christ. We are to find our identity, our provision, our worth, our value in Christ and Christ alone so that we can be truly rich and spiritually wealthy. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. Are you willing today? To invest in, 
to put all of your faith in, your energy, your, your life, your heart, your mind and soul into the kingdom of God to be truly refined through the fire, to come out fresh from the furnace, experiencing the hidden treasures that God wants you to have. Here's the second thing he said, become clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Buy from me white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. Some of you have been clothed and have clothed yourself in designer clothes, but you're feeling disgusting inside when you strip away and see the nakedness. Jesus wants you to see that your beauty does not come from what is in the outside, but you have been covered and clothed by his mercy, his grace, and his love, and your true beauty comes from what is within. Some of you have wrapped up your wounds in temporary cloth, thinking that if I can't see it, it's not there. When the Lord wants to strip away that which is temporary to reveal the wounds, to reveal your true nakedness and your shame so that he can bring permanent healing. Some of you allowed yourself to wear a label that identifies you, whether it's your personality, your profession, your attributes, your likes, your gifts, your interests, your talents, your experiences, your past, and it makes you feel secure, but really you know that at the center of it and beyond it and beyond the soil, it comes from a place of insecurity. And Jesus is calling you to reveal your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, your wounds so that the Lord can clothe you in his righteousness. So that in the shame of your nakedness that you can stand in him knowing that I am wrapped in the cloth of his righteousness. So no one believe that I've been purified and cleansed through what Jesus has accomplished for me upon the cross. That in him you can be strong even when you feel weak. That in him you are secure even when you feel unworthy. Then in him you are found even when you feel lost and alone and insecure. Here's the third thing he says. Become anointed in the spirit so that you may see. He says, and buy from me healing salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Some translations say to anoint your eyes so that you may see. It's through the spirit of God that he anoints our eyes to see. To see as God sees. To truly see. To become awakened and aware. To become enlightened. What the Laodiceans did is they could, they spent their time and their energy and the focus in what they could see, what they could buy, what they could consume, what they could indulge in. And they placed those things as valuable above what was unseen and eternal. Some of you have got so used to seeing as the world sees that you've become blinded. You've allowed your eyes to be deceived because you're fixated on the external things of the world and Jesus wants you to be anointed in the Spirit so that you will truly see. Your, your eyes would be opened. They would be enlightened. They would be illuminated to see light through the darkness. Some of you, as you become anointed, in the light, as you become anointed and truly see and the scales begin to fall off your eyes, you may realize that you need to get off that ladder that you've been climbing and finally see your kids who are crying out for your attention. That you've been so fixated on financial security and tomorrow you've missed out your children need you today. Maybe you have to take your attention off that which is causing you anxiety 
and worry and fix your eyes solely on Jesus so that you can see the goodness of God and you can allow the gratefulness to rise up within you in what you have, not in what is outside of the realm of your sphere. Maybe you have to cut that the habit, that hobby, that relationship out of your life that yes, maybe bringing joy into your life for a moment, but it's actually stealing your joy from tomorrow. Maybe you have to sacrifice your own needs, your own wants. Instead of just seeing yourself, it's time to see the needs of others. Maybe you have to lift your eyes to recognize that what you're seeing is built falsely on lies that is not true. Instead, you need to see the truth of Jesus. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus to see that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And allow the Spirit of God to anoint you to see as he sees. So as you take a moment, take a breath. As I know, you're here in all those areas. You may feel convicted. You may feel challenged. I want you to know that's good. It's good for you to feel convicted. It's good for you to feel challenged. Why? Because it leads us to a place of repentance. It leads us to a place of change. Lasting change. True change. Change that becomes permanent, not temporary. Here's what's important. The grace of God always gives us the way to find change. Life change. He always gives us hope. He always gives us a way out. He always tries to reach through to us through his word as I'm speaking today and through his spirit who's convicting you as he says to you, it's time to burn. It's time to find the fire, to find the flame. It's time to pursue him passionately, to be on fire to be God, for God and stir up a passion inside of you. As a finish, I want to give you three things based on verse 19 to 22. And Jesus gives the church of Laodicea and those of us who find ourselves lukewarm, hot, or cold, he gives us three actions to take. Here's the first one. Repent and run after God. Repent and run after God. Verse 19, those whom I love, I correct, I rebuke, I discipline. So be earnest, be diligent, be focused, be zealous, and repent. The message translation says, I call account so they live at their best. Up on your feet, about face, run after God. The Amplified translation says, those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them so they'll be enthusiastic and repent so that you will change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior and seek God's will. God's purpose of discipline is to bring us back to Him. To bring us back to a place of passion, of life change, of being on fire for Him. And God's discipline is often to snap you out of the spiritual apathy that you found yourself in. And He does this all out of a motive of love. And here's what I felt to challenge you in today. Commit today to attend church weekly every week to enter into a place on Sunday of repentance of passion of discipline and pursuing God you know the average person today attends church once every three weeks once every three weeks my desire my prayer my passion is to see our people the people of open arms attending church three out of four weeks a month three out of four weeks to shift our attitude from, I might go to church 
Do I get to go to church? It's a privilege. It's my passion. It's a priority. Why? Because we're going to worship together. We're going to sit under the teaching of the word. We're going to receive prayer. We're going to serve. We're going to engage in community. And we need the church now more than ever. The battle is fierce and the devil is on the prowl to devour you, your family, and what's inside of you. We need the church now more than ever. And it's hard work. Don't I know? But it's worth it. It's worth it. Because it will prevent you from losing your passion, slipping into a state of apathy, getting into that lukewarm state that just spirals out of control and into every area of your life. And remind you and encourage you to repent and run after God every single week. Here's the second thing. He says, recognize his voice and open the door. Verse 20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is constantly knocking constantly knocking. He's always there waiting for you. Will you recognize his voice and respond by opening the door to your heart and letting him in? He continues, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, how can we do this practically? Here's what God showed me in this. By feeding on the word with God, of God. By entering into fellowship with him, to sitting down together and eating with Jesus, feeding on the word of God. Why? How can you recognize a voice that you don't know? How can you hear a voice that you have not tuned your ear to? It is through time in the word that we grow in our knowledge of him. We learn to hear his voice. We know when God speaks, we know his voice. We become familiar with it. Why? Because we're spending in His Word, time in His Word daily. We know His voice. We can recognize His voice and therefore we can open the door and say, God, speak to me. I hear your voice. I'm letting you in. Show me the areas of my life. Show me the shadows of my life where you need to expel your, the, the darkness from to show your light. And I challenge you today, commit to attend church weekly. Secondly, commit to read the Bible daily. Commit to read the Bible a day, but it's hard. I know it's hard. Being a Christian's hard. But the hard things are what cause us to be resilient, to have our roots go down deep within us, and that we're not lukewarm Christians that goes from here to there. And every issue that comes, and every moment that comes, and every circumstance comes, we're having to go, I don't know what to do. And God says, if you would put the word in you, you'll know what to do. You'll recognize my voice. You'll hear my voice and you'll open up the door. I, I want to bring the Bible back to church. You're going to hear me say this a lot. I'm probably going to say this every single week over the coming months. It's time to bring the Bible back to church. Not just on your phones, and that can be good too. But put the Bible in your hand. Start off your week with the Bible in your hand. Become familiar with it. Learn what it is to open up and see. Where's Deuteronomy? Where is Numbers? Where is Isaiah? Where is Proverbs? I need to know it. I need to be familiar with it. I'm encouraging everyone to bring the Bible back to church. I'm encouraging you to buy your children a Bible. Buy your child a Bible. You only get limited time with them, so use the time to instill in them the Word of God. Every morning, reading it. Maybe reading it on, in private or reading it together. If you need to keep the Bible near your, near, your, uh, near your bed, 
So the first time you wake up with it, you see it. You're reminded. I need to read it. I may read a few verses, but what's important is not just what I read, but allowing what I read to be revealed in me so that what gets in here is in here. Teach your children the Bible. First and foremost is encourage you to bring your children to church, but you need to bring church home. You, You may get a word today from me in study and prayer, receiving it and bringing it to you, but you need to get a word that you're bringing to your kids. You need to get a word that you're instilling in them the ways of the Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity to bring your book, your Bible, to churches. We're going to go through the book of Colossians from September 17. We're going to spend it. We're going to go a deep dive. We're going to spend 10, 12 weeks. And I'm encourage you, bring your Bible, bring your notebook. It's time to come, to learn, to sit, to not stop. Stay idly by, sitting back, yawning and taking it in. If you're going to come to church, you may as well put the time and effort into it. To changing, to learning, to growing. Because what God is going to bring into your season, you got to be prepared for it. you got to be ready for it. If you truly want to change, now is the time to change. Don't waste another moment. Don't wait another day. This is the moment. This is the time. Recognize his voice. Open the door. And here's the third and final thing. Realize that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Verse 21 says, To the one who is victorious, victorious in overcoming, in conquering those areas in our life that cause us to become lukewarm and take an action inside and out to be on fire for God. Romans 8, 37. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are a more than conqueror. You need to recognize it. You need to see it. You need to look inside the mirror and say that God has called me to be victorious. Not to be defeated by my enemy, but I'm victorious through Jesus Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. What is the fruit of our faithfulness, the reward for our passion, our commitment, and zeal? He says, I will give you the right, the permission to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. What a reward. The reward for our faithfulness. He finishes verse 22. This is important. Whoever has ears, if you've got ears today, whoever has ears, let him hear. Let her hear. You need to hear today what the Spirit is saying to the church. What the Spirit is saying to you, the Christian, and to us, the church. Message translation says it like this. Are your ears awake? Listen to the wind words. The Spirit blowing through the church. The NLT says, listen to the Spirit and understand, perceive, know what He is saying. Commit to attend church weekly. Commit to pray in the Bible or to read the Bible daily and commit to pray in the Spirit constantly. Constantly. So that you may understand what the Spirit is saying. You need to pray on your own privately. You need to pray with your spouse 
as often as you can. You need to pray over your children as they go to bed, asleep at night. Every night I pray over my kids when I'm dying inside. I want to leave them and go to bed, but I still pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you his peace. May you continue to grow in wisdom and stature and grow in favor with God and man. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray over them and at night I pray, I pray over them when they're asleep. Pray over them. Why? Because the enemy is out to steal them, to rob them, to kill them of their joy. And it is up to you as their parent to pray over them, to pray the Spirit of God over them. Pray at the dinner table, even in the chaos. Pray before you go out in the morning for work, for school, gathered together, a simple prayer. I encourage you, one of the things that really helped me, fill your home with worship. Fill your car with worship. Turn off nasty negative news talk. Turn on worship. Fill your home, fill your car, fill every space with worship. I'm telling you, the atmosphere begins to change. You begin to become compelled to pray. You begin to hear the Spirit of God. It's hard work. But pray in the Spirit constantly. Repent and run after God. I'm calling you. Commit to attend Church, weekly, you need it. Secondly, recognize His voice and open the door. Commit to read the Word of God daily. Thirdly, realize you are more than a conqueror. So start living and acting and thinking and believing like a conqueror. And commit to pray in the Spirit constantly. Hey, as we finish, let me pray for you. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. Lord, right now I pray for every single person. No matter the spiritual state that they have. If they are cold, God, I pray through your grace that they will turn and repent to you. If they are hot and burning with you, feed the fire. Fan the flame. Cause the passion to become permanent and permeate through every area of their life. And if they are lukewarm. pray right now that you would convict us. You would challenge us. I pray that we would leave today as the church that you've called us to be that is on fire for you. I pray that you would help us to turn towards you, to be challenged, to see life change in our lives and through our lives and through the lives that we love. In Jesus' name, amen.